Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. What is up, Believers? And what is up, Bear Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I am Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season is full swing, and you might not be at the game this year, but you could still be in on all the action at BetOnline. And from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there's always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag, and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, shit. Bears <laughs> 24 to 10 to the Rams. They fall to five and two. Cameron, welcome back to Earth. It sucks. Do I, do I have to be here? Could I could I be anywhere else? Are the Bears asking themselves that very same question, Cameron? Man, being a Bears fan is crazy. It's just like even when you win, when you win you feel bad, and when you lose, you feel terrible. This is this is not fun. And Look, there's a lot of things to poke out, which we are going to point our finger at throughout this pod of a Bears loss that is just absolutely gut-wrenching to take. But my broad view on it is all of the Bears' flaws were on display in this game. Poor offensive line, a quarterback that can't make accurate throws down the field, a defense that struggles tackling with opponents that have speed, penalties that ruin drives, play calls that were absolutely head scratching at times it all was in this game Cameron and not a lot of positives to talk about as the Bears lose and now Bears fans are spiraling there was nothing nothing not for one moment was this game fun to watch not one single time even when Eddie Jackson picks up the fumble and houses it I'm like yeah, but you can't do that on the offensive side of the field. Like, there, I just, everything that I saw tonight, it just sucked. This sucked, and I'm not happy in, in any way. Do we have to do this? <laughs> Even with the Eddie Jackson play, I did think that it was going to get called back because there was a flag on the field, which just seemed apropos to the Bears season. There's a flag on every play. This is miserable. So let's try and walk through a bit of this game, and then we'll talk about some broad aspects. Let's start at the beginning. Just what did you think about the tone, tenor, attitude of the Bears offense coming out? I counted on the first five pass plays from Nick Foles. I counted two targets to Cordero Patterson, one to Demetrius Harris. We've already talked about Demetrius Harris a lot on this pod, but personally, that just doesn't seem the way that you, you, you draw it up when you go out there with that first drive, that first 15 plays. From the get-go, we seem disjointed. You know, a run game that only averaged 2.9 rushing yards in the game. Just nothing was clicking from the get-go. And it just didn't seem like they had any plays drawn up, you know, ready to put the Rams on their heels. They seemed timid. They seemed stale. They seemed without a without a real plan or direction. Like, this, this was hard to watch from an offensive standpoint. And being someone who's at times been fairly optimistic about what the Bears can be on the offensive side of the ball, come, watching them come out tonight early on and just have – no clear vision and no clear game plan. It was it was bad, and and we we talk again and again about Demetrius Harris and Cordero Patterson's role in the offense, and 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 those are guys that we're getting the ball to at the at the start of this thing. It just it didn't make sense. I I don't I just have so many questions, and I'm just I'm just frustrated. I'm frustrated because you know. 
you know, Matt Nagy is supposed to be this offensive guru, this this guy that's going to put all these pieces together and make it work. And, you know, we just watched a really simple offense just just torch what you know, a good defense in, in the Bears' defense, not doing anything overly complicated, you know? And just watching that game and watching the, the outside zone concepts, I don't want to get too much into it, just the nitty-gritty football of it, but just watching just a team that – has a, I don't know, a, an okay off, uh, you know, not just an okay offense. Like let's put it at, like it is, and and they just come out and they and they run the ball effectively with some outside zone concepts. They run a lot of play action. They run a lot of, uh, you know, the boot action out of it, and and they just they just did whatever they wanted. And the Bears try to drop these elaborate things, and there's just nothing going. And there's it's just disjointed, and it's it's not fun. It was all out there in display from the get-go in terms of what Sean McVay was going to try and do or what Matt Nagy was going to try and do. Sean McVay, all week, all week long, that the Rams are going to try and run it down our throats. We even brought it up on the pod. Jared Goff only threw the ball 18 times last year against them. And what did they do? They got the, they got the offense in motion. Like you said, a lot of play action, easy rollouts. We're able to stretch the field a little bit because they realized that that front – that the Bears defensive front is so good, but if you can get them sprinting from sideline to sideline a little bit, make them tackle some guys, then all of a sudden you got yourself a chance on the other side of the ball. So the Rams go inverse. We're going to throw first and then him with the run. The Bears on the other side seemed like they were just like, let's just get our bearings with some meat and potatoes runs here. And even in those early moments, when you saw Cole Komet make a 38-yard reception, you saw Anthony Miller pick up a first down, these guys that we're counting on to be impactful players in the offense – disappeared by the end of the first quarter. Cole Komet had two catches in the first quarter, never heard from him again. Anthony Miller had a catch, never really heard from him again until that, you know, the one-handed snag on that third down play. What happened to these guys? I don't, I don't know. I have no idea what the philosophy is. And and we keep coming back to this, but like, how are you going to get Cole Komet involved in the 38 yard play, you know, is the longest pass play of the season for the bears. And all of a sudden, we don't see him again, but we're seeing plenty of Demetrius Harris. And we go down to the red zone, and and like he or Jimmy Graham or, or they're they're one of them's not on the field. There's just like I don't know what they're trying to do. What happens? I I feel like you're asking me the question, and then I'm just turning around and throwing it back in your face because I can't explain it. I I don't know what the plan is, what the vision is. It's difficult to assess, and it's something that we've mentioned a little bit before, but. It starts to feel like a pattern forming of Nagy and his personnel. He loves his personnel packages and mixing things up on play to play to play. When at the end of the day, I think our, our talent, our depth on the offense talent wise, isn't as deep as he thinks it is. And wants to get all these other guys incorporated and hit a pass to guy five, when really we should be trying to featuring guys one, two, and three and trying to trick people. And it just doesn't really seem to be working early on. And then later on in the game, you have to get in the situation where, again, we're an offense that's trying to play with our hair on fire, which led to some Nick Foles mistakes, which we'll get into it for a second. Let's pivot over the defense just real quick. Something maybe we can wrap our heads around a little bit. An amateur outside looking in, tell me what you saw. Because I felt like at times the Bears early on were caught in between on their tackling where I felt – a guy would catch a ball and they would create this shell of like, hey, let's just keep him in front and let's get him down. And then in other moments, too aggressive of trying to pursue the ball and then getting completely whiffed on these tackles for extra yards. It just seems like they were playing, I don't want to say without confidence because that's not the right way to say it, but they just felt like they were playing in between tonight. And that led to a lot of missed tackles and extra yards. 
I think that there's a time for each of those types of strategies and ways of playing defense. And I think that the Bears are playing their best when they're playing downhill. They're playing aggressive. They're forcing teams into making mistakes. But also early in the game, there are certain times where you just want to keep if, – if the Rams are going to just take what's in front of them, take what's given to them, then just get the tackle. You know, get the man on the ground. And I think you're right. There did seem to be just some of this – I don't know – if it's like you you call it the in between or if it's just you know big big game big moment trying to deal with uh with uh, you know are are we really this this 5-1 team i think they feel pressure i think the bears defense feels a tremendous amount of pressure i think that a lot of the times they get caught trying to dial up the defense and create turnovers and create big plays because they know that the offense can't do it and sometimes I think that puts them in bad positions because, you know, sometimes you just want to get the guy on the ground. But Bears, I, oftentimes it feels like they go for the big play. They go for the home run. They have to do that and uh, and try and create these opportunities because they don't get those pop plays on offense. So they got to make those pop plays on defense. I think that we saw some of that in this game. And I think a little bit of that's just kind of pressing because there's pressure is on this group, no doubt. And, uh, and, I mean the Rams. The Rams kind of had their way with them on uh, on both sides. It was it was a little frustrating. And even with all that pressure, they still had two sacks in the game, two forced fumbles. One of those fumbles got taken back to the house for a touchdown. The Bears defense still was able to make plays, breathe just a little bit of life, where you could start doing some. I call it cubby math, but we could call it Bears math of like, okay, well if we get the ball back and score, and then if we get the ball back and score again, and if we get the ball back and score again, you know you can get back into this game. I want to hit Matt Nagy's play calling in a second, but first I want to just talk about Nick Foles. This was by far, in my opinion, his worst game. You could talk about that Colts game if you want to, but in this one, I just, for the life of me, can we just find a quarterback? And you were talking in the preview pod about these pop plays, the these impact moments, and we had Darnell Mooney with a double move that was wide open. We had Nick Foles overthrowing guys. I mean, what did you see from him? It seems pretty obvious, but we seem to have about three, four hits down the field that he completely missed. You hope that he can hit just one. seems like he hit none in this game. There's two things that I like to evaluate with Nick Foles. One, I think he has the potential to make those big downfield throws, and I think more often than not, he will be a guy that will step up and make them. He didn't today, but take that with a grain of salt because I think that a lot of that can be attributed to the offensive line play, and I hate that it's going to fall back on that, but if you watch a lot of those throws, he doesn't get to complete the arm motion. He's throwing off of one foot. He's throwing with his feet. You know, At some at one point, he's throwing with both of his feet off the ground. That That's on the offensive line, man, and it sucks. Um, and, and it may not all be on the offensive line. He may have made errant throws anyway. There are a couple times where he made bad reads, but a lot of that has to do with pressure. And you know, just because you don't give up a sack uh, doesn't mean that you're doing your job necessarily. And there's a lot of times where you see a bad arm angle or a high release or odd timing, and that a lot of that a lot of the times falls back on that offensive line. And obviously, Aaron Donald it. <laughs> And and this and Brockers and Floyd and they they had a good day, um, but I, and they're great they're a great they're a great group. So let's not take anything away from them. But this line played really poorly, and uh, you know we talked again and again about how much it impacts the run game. And today I think it definitely seeped into the passing game. And so it's 
Obviously, I don't think this was Nick Foles' best game by any means. In fact, I think it was a, a pretty bad game, but I don't know that I'm going to take all of this blame and lay it at, at Nick Foles' Nick Foles's feet. Yeah, there's plenty of blame to go around, and we've been talking about it. It's been going on for about three weeks now. The secret is out. The Chicago Bears offensive line is a serious problem. Let's just get it out of the way. I want to get your grade for the offensive line because personally, I saw Rashad Coward struggling once again. Bobby Massey completely whiffing on a Leonard Floyd sack. Jermaine Effetti getting a holding penalty on, on a positive run play. Cody Whitehair leaves the game with an injury. What grade do you give the offensive line in this one? D. D. <laughs> oh my God, I passed? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Yeah, I let's just say D, man. I <laughs> I don't want to be. I'm not out here handing out failing grades. I guess I'm a pretty lenient teacher, but that, there's not a lot of good to take away from the situation. You know, when you're out there with with two backups on a and an, a group that already wasn't particularly deep, and I think it's safe to say that that James Daniels and Cody Whitehair were the two probably best ones in that group, and now they're both out there. I mean, that's against. Against Aaron Donald, I mean, come on, like that's never gonna go well. It didn't. They weren't able to run the ball, which has been the more of the same. And obviously, like we were just talking about, the passing game was not there either. And I think a lot of that falls into the lap of the offensive line. And we talk all the time about the offensive line affecting the run game, but let's talk about it affecting the passing game for a second, especially in the red zone. Where do you think this is maybe the reason why? Matt Nagy calls up these 50-50 balls in the red zone, these jump ball situations to Allen Robinson. Why, when you see Nick Foles flushed out of the pocket automatically and making a bad mistake in the red zone for an interception, maybe it has something to do with the fact that he can't even set his feet for a second. You can't even give the receivers a chance to maybe find that space to break free to put a ball somewhere. And I think the offensive line, you know, Nick Foles is making those mistakes. That goes onto his stat sheet. And we can talk all we want about those mistakes, but it really seems like it is definitely starting up front where he doesn't even have a moment to find that guy in the red zone. And maybe that's why they have to call those plays where they're just trying to put it in a spot, have a guy go up and get it. Oh, wait, there's two defenders there. It's tipped. It's interception. You know, no points on the board. Yeah, that has a lot to do with it. I, I don't think that there's a whole lot of trust going on right now from the quarterback, from the coach, from the whole offense right now. I think there's a lot of pressure that they feel literally and uh, and I guess figuratively, and that's probably going to make its way into the play calling. It makes its way into the way you throw the ball, into the way you take the snap, into all these like little things. And so you're right when you see Nick Foles getting flushed out of the pocket, making a bad decision. That all stems from that lack of confidence, and it probably starts up at the top with, with coach Nagy and, and the play calling. And, and once you kind of lose that confidence, we talk about this a little bit. Once you've lost that confidence, it's hard to go back to it and finding that, that rhythm, if you will, and knowing that, Hey, when we get down here, down in this, this situation down, you know, in this, this portion of the field, can we score? Can we do this? Can we do that? It's once it's gone, man, it's, it's kind of gone. And I, I think you see that with a lot of these play calls, like they just don't have a way to go down there and say, Hey, we're going to just line up and get the ball in the end zone. And, and this is how we're going to do it. They, it seems like when they get down in the red zone, they're just grasping for straws. Let's talk about these play calls. I'm ready. Matt Nagy. I don't even want to call the play calling desperate. I've just continued to call it disjointed. He felt lost at times. There's three. I definitely want to bring up to you. If you have any others, please bring them to the table. The first one 
is the ball on the one yard line. Uh, first of all, the Rams special teams in Hecker had a fantastic game in terms of not giving us really any room to breathe for an offense that was already struggling. They pinned us deep into their zone almost every single possession. It felt like so hats off to them. But on that first one on the one yard line, Demetrius Harris almost commits a holding penalty in the end zone. Some say that it probably was in the end zone for a safety. You're running the ball on that play and two point yard, nine yards rushing a game. We've just talked about the offensive line. We talked about how it hasn't been working the whole game. Did you agree with that play call there? To, I know you want to get some breathing room, but give me a break. Do a two step drop to Jimmy Graham or something else. Why are you just trying to run it up the gut? And it led to a tight end uh, holding penalty. It's a super conservative call. And in most cases, that seems to be the 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 thing that most teams do in that scenario is just get the ball out. But we talk about it both ways that we don't really trust this offensive line to to block well, and we don't really trust this offensive line to to block well for the run or block well for the pass. In that situation, I'm kind of with you there. I mean, like we might be better off just taking a chance and throwing the ball and seeing if you might be able to get you know, three, four yards from Allen Robinson or Jimmy Graham, I'm with you there because, you know, they're just as likely to end up backwards, to end up to end up in the end zone and getting a safety on, on an attempted run play, which is, you know, obviously even worse. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I don't I don't blame them for going and running the running the ball there. That's conventional wisdom, and that's what teams have been doing for a thousand years and probably will continue to do. But, I mean, at this point, what's it hurt? You know, go out there – Take a shot, I guess. I, I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, we have an unconventional offense, which is the problem. And we talk all the time about confidence and conviction. If you don't even have that, what are you doing running the ball on the one-yard line? And then, obviously, your tight end gets a holding penalty. You're kind of lucky to get out of that situation. The next one I want to ask you about is at the end of the half, the first half. This one seems a little bit small, but I just want to ask you about it. With about 12, 15 seconds left, it was fourth down with the Rams, and they just let it go to halftime. The Bears had one timeout left to call. In my personal opinion, now this might sound meatball or from the stands, but I personally want to see them snap that ball. I mean, I you can run your best pump block play on that particular uh, situation. You could just see if they handle the snap correctly, see if there's a bad punt, see if just something, anything happens, make them play the game. Instead, we just ran out those last 12 seconds to end the half, and the Rams got the ball back anyway. So what was your take on that? I mean, are you are you knocking Nagy for that one? It seems kind of small, but there's an attitude philosophy thing that I just wasn't in agreement. My thing is, I I kind of get the impression that the Bears want to be like one of these aggressive teams. These like, hey, like let's let's make you do this. Let's take chances. Let's put teams in bad positions. Granted, Johnny Hecker probably would have punted it and and put it on the the half yard line, and we would have ended up getting a, a safety or something. So it's just as likely. So maybe that was that was brilliant. But yeah, I, I'm with you there. Like, just let's see you take call that timeout and and see something happen. I like the idea of being aggressive. You never know. You absolutely never know. I think we take these things for granted. It's not, you know, it's not always easy to to execute a snap and make something happen and make the correct things work. So yeah, dial up a little pressure, make something happen, and see see what goes on and and take every opportunity because that's the thing about the Bears right now is that. They're kind of like the like the 05 White Sox. They just had to like manufacture runs. You know what I mean? It was not an exciting offense. By ball. Any means. <laughs> they had to manufacture these runs, right? This team can't score points. They need to manufacture points. And if that's have somehow, you know, making a team 
come out and snap the ball on a punt play at, at the end of the f- uh, first half or whatever. Like, I don't know. More than likely, nothing's going to happen. But just do something because you're not going to score with your offense. And finally, I'm going to try not to lose my flipping mind on this one, but the final Matt Nagy play call that just drove me up a wall was with about a minute and a half left in the third quarter. Bears are down 24 to 3. They get the ball. Anthony Miller, beautiful one handed catch that they have reviewed, and it gets called a completion. We're now at fourth and one. They're at about the 30 yard line on their own end. And Matt Nagy decides to go for it on fourth and one. Not only does he decide to go for it on fourth and one, but he goes with a zone toss to Cordero Patterson on the left side with Charles Leno and Rashad Coward, who, let's be honest, haven't been playing their best football of late. And play gets completely blown up. And thank goodness, you know, the Rams get a, we block the field goal at the end. But in my opinion, people think that that's Matt Nagy being aggressive. We got to get back into this game. I personally found that to be a real defeatist call. And I just couldn't disagree with more with why he went for it on fourth and one. You still have a situation where you have time left to get the ball back with three or four possessions to score some points. In theory, if you don't get that fourth and one, they score and it goes to 27 to three. Have fun in the fourth quarter trying to come back from 27 to three. 24 to three, I can at least, with this Bears team, I can at least wrap my head around. They get a couple of touchdowns and maybe get back into it and make it interesting. It didn't happen in this game. But what did you see on that play call? Not just the play call itself, which we, I think, both can agree was probably garbage, but just what was Matt Nagy thinking in that particular spot? Because I couldn't disagree more with it. We talk a lot about this group being disjointed, and I think this is part of that. Are they aggressive or are they not? Are they taking chances or are they not are we trying to be conservative what what is the identity of this offense and and i i'm with you to an extent on some of this stuff i want to see them take more chances and and do some more risk taking if you will but it's like okay so we're going to do it now at the 30 yard line at the 30 yard line to me i'm with you in the in the sense that like we want you to take a chance that's great we want you to go out there and have confidence in your offense and say, "Hey, we're going to get this and we're going to we're going to go out there and and give ourselves one last chance to win the game." But yeah, that just what would have happened or what could have happened in that situation and then now we're just going to play the whole fourth quarter out like this game is already over and it's it's dead at that point. It's very frustrating because I don't think that it's healthy for the team because I don't think they know who they are. I don't think they know what their identity is as an offense. I don't know where it, how it gets better. And it's just it's just a weird indictment on a lot of different things. In that particular spot, you're sort of saying that with 15 minutes to go left in this football game, we can't get 21 points and we can't trust our defense to at least hold us in it. So we have to go and get it now. It's also saying by tossing the ball to Cordero Patterson that I don't trust Dave, David Montgomery to just get two yards in between the tackles. It also says that I can't trust that I can dial up a quick, easy little slant or a quick little sit down, turn around, catch some sort of maybe, I don't know, play action, quick little rollout to get those two yards to the sideline. Something that Matt Nagy loves to call. He didn't call any of that at that time. He called toss. And the fact that we the Rams got the ball back on the 30 yard line, it just really puts your, your team in a position of, if you go down 31 to three, forget about it. If you go down 27 to three, also most likely forget Forget about about it it. exactly and we talked about 24 points was the threshold in this game you still had a whole fourth quarter to go it felt defeatist to me if like if not now never 
and it didn't work out. Thankfully, they were sort of in the game mathematically the rest of the way to go, but I just, I, I'm shaking my head here. Even from a schematic standpoint, I hate the toss. I hate that we're going to Patterson. Like, when he's in the backfield, like, did, are we of the impression that we don't know what's happening? Like, it's just, it's, it's crazy because it almost seems like they think they're being creative. It seems like they're of the impression that, like, something wild is going on, and it's just not. It is boring. It's vanilla. It's predictable, and it's not good. There was, a, I, I there was just, another moment in the game. I'm forgetting like the down and distance. I think it was like the third quarter, but it was definitely a second down. And Nagy changed out the personnel. And they had Demetrius Harris all by himself at the bottom of your screen. And then they had Darnell Mooney in the backfield running motion. And you could almost tell like Nick Foles just let the play clock go down and call a timeout because he's just like, I'm not having this right now. They changed the personnel. They had a positive play. And I swear to God, the same personnel came out three plays later. And it was for like a negative two loss. And you're just sort of asking yourself these questions of, I, I get that you are calling the plays and you are the head coach. A lot of people in Chicago are asking themselves the question, should Matt Nagy be calling the plays? And these are the types of situations where you start to really scratch your head and ask yourself the question, okay, this guy builds a great culture. He represents the organization in a, in a wonderful way. I think he's actually a great face for the Chicago bears as a head coach. He's won some football games here. The team responds to him. And I guarantee you next week is going to be really tough, but I bet you we respond and play well. But when we're talking about strictly offensive play calling, there's a lot left to be desired. It does beg the question, what will it take for him to maybe relinquish that control to someone else just to see if you can get a spark, get someone else's eyes on it in those situations where you're dialing stuff up and it ain't working. How long do you think maybe, I mean, do we wait till the bye week in week 10 where that could even be a consideration inside Hallis Hall? How does that stuff kind of go about, you know, from a team aspect? I think it should be, but it kind of reminds me of the of the quarterback situation we faced a little earlier in the season. You know, you've got one quarterback who's undefeated at this point, but it's not really pretty. And, you know, the other guy maybe might do a better job, but how do you replace a guy who hasn't lost a game yet? It's it's kind of tricky. A 5-2 and two record? I think if you would have told that the Bears fans they'd be 5-2 and two at this point, at the beginning of the year, they'd say, yeah, this is great. We'd be pumped. And, hey, Matt Nagy's doing a heck of a job. But when you see it, when you see the actual product, it's eh, not so great. Um, as far as the logistics of actually, like, making the transition and doing the actual play calling I do think that's the kind of thing that takes time. It's not the you don't just hand the reins over, even if they're they've got the same catalog of play calls. There's still just different tendencies, different timings, and and things like that that just it takes time to to figure those things out. So I'm never I'm never really in favor of just like on the fly switches. I was adamant about not switching quarterbacks. I'm adamant about um I'm adamant about not like having too much turnover at your offensive line. I'm adamant about, uh, you know, just kind of trying to find out who our guys are and get them going rather than, hey, let's spread the ball between nine different players and none of which have, like, a stellar game. Um, so so that's where I, I would be – I would like to see them maybe consider the possibility of, of giving the, the play-calling responsibilities to someone else just because, like you said, Matt Nagy's done a, fen- a phenomenal job of representing this this team and having a great culture and all that, but I think offense, I think head coaches, that's a bigger job, and their job is to be able to delegate. And so 
And when that bye week comes around, I would consider making that adjustment. I'm going to throw a little coach speak at you right now. We have to do what's best for the football team. We have to do what's best for winning games on Sunday, Mondays, or Thursdays. And I just think that it's at the point where you just have to sort of ask those questions. And I'm asking those questions. I, I agree with you, but there does come a point where on fourth and one, you're doing a zone toss to Cordero Patterson. You're telling me that you don't have five to eight plays. You guys have run into the ground that you believe in so deeply. They call it meat and potatoes in the NFL that you can call on when you need one or two yards in a pinch, third and three, fourth and one, et cetera. And that's the one that you're going with. And maybe that's going back to your point a little bit about Nagy's always trying to outthink people. He's always trying to maybe do something where Cordero Patterson's the backfield. You know, he's getting the football. The second that they turn and the offensive line slides, you know that they're going to the outside. So is it really that tricky? And why is why doesn't he have these plays, these bedrock plays that he can call on whenever he wants and be successful with? The question is, do they have those plays installed and they're in the catalog and they know the right plays and they're just not calling them? Or is this a matter of is this a matter of them not being there at all? You know, because this offense, this is going to be Nagy's offense, whether he's the one playing the calling the plays or not. You know, he's got to say, this is his baby. This is his whole thing. So even if you're handing over the play calling duties, this is still going to have some amount of his influence on it. So do they have those third and short plays or fourth and short plays or goal line plays in their bag uh, to, to go to in those moments? That's what we don't know. So it, right now, what you're seeing may just be a tendency. It may just be a bad tendency that we don't like. The question is, is it in there at all? Do they have that in the catalog? Do they have that option on the menu to go to? Or do they just like have a huge gap that, uh, that that's the real concern, is if that's the case? Cameron, let's go to bed on this because I think me, you, and Bears Nation just wants to sleep this one off. I'm not Hibernate. even I'm not even <laughs> to get into like some of the good plays and the good aspects of this game because it feels a bit worthless. So let's just try and pull it back just a little bit. We've mentioned it a couple times. The Bears are five and two. We've done a bunch of post-game pods where the Bears have done positive things and incredible things, miraculous things, even to win football games this year. This one stings. And of course, you're going to be kind of, you know, the foundation is shook a little bit and you're asking yourself some questions. So is this for you a trash can game? The one where you go, hey, this is the worst that we're going to do. We're going to watch this once and then throw it away and forget about it. Or is this a game where your level of concern is substantially rising heading into the next two weeks where we play the Saints, the Titans, and then in a month we play the Packers? Man, I look at this and I and I have real legitimate concern. It's, you know, we, we got to give credit where credit is due. The Rams are a tough team, and there's no shame in losing to them. But this wasn't a, a loss where we just came out and, and got beat by a little bit. I mean, this was a this was a thumping, and we lost in every category. The it would be different if there wasn't all of this evidence, even in the wins. I don't know if that makes sense, but even in the wins, we're seeing, hey, this this crack in the foundation, this crack in the foundation. So when you actually go out and lose the game, all of a sudden those cracks, 
they kind of come to the light. We actually see all of that stuff. That all kind of becomes a little bit more exposed. So, yeah, if they were just sitting at 5-2 and two and they came out and played a great game and just happened to get beat by the Rams on Monday Night Football, I would go, you know what? That's tough. That's football. Let's, you know, we're not going to overreact to this. But I'm going to overreact to this a little bit because I think that this, I mean, we're seeing some major flaws. The schedule is very tough. I, I don't it. I don't think that it gets much easier, and I don't see a clear path to improvement. That's that's the real issue. Is that there's no like easy way for this offense to get better. They're not going to make some big move. There's no player that's a, a magic fix all. I think that this is an infrastructural issue. They didn't address some of the problems that probably should have been addressed in terms of depth at certain positions. They you know, decided to to roll the dice with this quarterback situation with this pair. This is what you get. This is not a. I I don't think that this is just like a. Hey, we need to we need to call a couple better plays here and there. I mean, they infrastructure wise are not sound offensively, and that that that's it. That's really it. So I don't think it gets better. And that's what makes this one so hard to swallow, as you mentioned. You know, you can lose football games. You know, teams typically lose four, five, six football games and still go to the playoffs every single year. But it was the manner in which we lost this game. It wasn't like we lost this game by four, five, six plays. We lost this game by drives, by quarters. We lost this entire game in its entirety. And to reiterate, all of our flaws were on display in this game. If you pull up the stat sheet and you look at it, it's actually not that one-sided. You look at the stat sheet and you're like, okay, well, the Rams, 4 of 13 on, on third down. Bears, 4 of 14. Not very good. Time of possession, pretty much the same. Yards, yes, the Rams got a little bit more yards, but when you start to really dig in and see what's going on and the problems that we're having, and also you take into account that a lot of you know Nick Foles' passing yards were padded when they were down multiple touchdowns late in the game, you really start to ask yourself some questions. And for me, can they bounce back? Of course they can. But now I think there's a little bit more of realism in this Bears season. And I will say to you, and I, I'm dying to hear your thoughts, these next two games for me, we just got to split. We got to split these next two games. Saints and Titans, we cannot lose these next two. If we go to five and four, I think it's going to be batting down the hatches time. I think there's going to see, you know, I think that's when you maybe you see the Matt Nagy play calling. I think that's when you maybe you see the maybe Trubisky's better than Foles and all that. That circus comes back into town. I really think you need to buckle down and try and figure out a way to get a win over the next couple of weeks. Be six and three, maybe be seven and three when you play the Packers. Uh, and what is it, week nine, week ten, and then go on bye week. But I mean, this is when the real season begins. This was a test. Foles failed. The Bears failed, twenty-four to ten, and it's not going to feel good for a couple of days, Cameron. I mean, the all twenty-two is not going to tell us too much more than what we already saw out there in the field tonight. <laughs> unfortunately you're right it's not going to be a fun one to watch by any means but I, I think you're right though when you say that uh the bears they absolutely need to at least split this thing if they get to five and four it's gonna feel like all like this whole first half of the season was all for naught it will it will it will feel like all those games all those close ones all those comebacks were absolutely nothing there was very little credibility in this team being five and one there's going to be even less credibility in them being five and two. If they get to five and four, there's going to be so little credibility to this team, to their resume. If they can get through that stretch and they can get on the other side 
of the Saints and the and the Titans. And then obviously they'll have the Vikings. The Packers are tough, but that back end, that's a pretty nice schedule. That's a pretty nice schedule. But you gotta split these two. You gotta remain above five hundred. You gotta seem like uh you got <laughs> the thing about this team is that I feel like they're we're constantly almost on the verge of having an actual meltdown. It just feels like everything could fall apart at any, at any time. And maybe that's not going on inside the building, but that is the public persona. The entire world is ready to tear this team apart. And at five and four, I think it might happen. And we've been talking for weeks now. Are the Bears pretenders? Are they contenders? How do they shake the national narrative? Well, guess what? I, I thought even if the Bears won this game, I don't think they were going to be able to shake the pretender narrative. Well, get ready, Bears fans. That's going to stick with you now, I think, through the rest of the season. And to be honest, it's rightfully earned. And from a Nick Foles perspective, came in white hot, led us back to a victory. The next week, bumpy. Didn't really work out. But hey, it was his first game. We're four games in. I'm starting to notice a little bit of a slide. I'm not noticing necessarily incremental progress. And we were already the 27th best football team when he was taking over the football team. We're, we're going backwards now. There's just a lot of questions moving forward. Can the Bears bounce back? Of course they can. But for right now, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of hand-wringing. I think uh, Bears fans are going to have a lot of opinions this week, and that's okay. They should because there's a lot of questions. And, hey, let's end out the pot on, on some good news. We play next week, and we have a chance to win a game next week. Isn't that nice? The Bears have a chance to win every game. But they have a chance to get it's killed, true. everyone, too. It's true. It's true. And we talked about Trubisky starting these primetime games and being terrified and being nervous about the offense coming out and just, you know, laying an egg. Lo and behold, it doesn't take MT10 to do that. The Bears still know how to do that no matter who the quarterback is. Take that and just feel comfy and cozy that the Bears are still capable of doing just deplorable things on offense. It's like it's like putting on your flannel pajamas, you know? It, it, it's just you know what you're getting there. Are you saying that there's a hole in them and maybe like a big fettuccine Alfredo stain, but, you know, screw it. They're comfy. I'm rocking. I'm it, going out, and I'm, check, I'm, I'm wearing these out in public. You eating your pasta and your PJs, buddy? Listen, quarantine's been hard on all of us. Quarantine's been hard on you, huh? It's been hard on all of us. I'm, I'm, I'm down to watching VHSs now. I just watch VHS movies. This is how simplified I have it. And watching, wow. and watching the All-22 of, uh, I can't wait to watch the double move that Dar Darnell Mooney put on Jalen Ramsey, which absolutely froze him and was wide open for a touchdown score that Nick Foles overthrew. But hey. We'll try, try not to watch the Aaron Donald move that busted up all of our double team blocks. Can't wait. Cameron, Bears lose to the Rams in week seven, 24 to 10. They fall to five and two on the season. We're going to lick our wounds for a couple days and then come back with a preview pod of Bears Saints next week. But until then, take us home on a very depressing but yet great pod. You guys have been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you give us a like, a subscribe on all of the podcast platforms, and make sure you tune into our preview pod. For next week, for Joey Christopoulos, I'm Cameron Lee, and remember to always bear down. You have been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.